Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning, friends. Welcome in. I'm Amanda Miller. I'm Dave Orsborn, and we're just so happy that you're here <laughs> with us for the St. Gabriel Cafe. We're thrilled. Cam Clutter is our faithful barista, and today is Tuesday, friends, so you know what that means. Dr. Marlon De La Torre will be with us in the cafe, continuing our conversation on the Beatitudes. And then Brendan O'Rourke will join us. He is the Director of Communications and the Associate Director of Music at St. Catharines. So, Dave, good morning. Good morning. You want to join it or start us in a prayer? Absolutely. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Father. We love you. We praise you. Thank you so much for for being here with us today, for arranging these appointments. Um, Help us to walk closely with you today. Uh, Help us to see all the beauty and um, just love that you've poured into this world. Help us to be kind and gentle with those that we encounter today. And to be, uh, to be you, uh, as much as we can, to to just share this love uh, with others today. In gratitude, we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. I love Tuesdays. Yeah. What do you love about Tuesdays? Tacos. <laughs> Taco Tuesday. Do you partake often? Uh yeah, we have tacos quite a bit. Nice. Yeah. Actually, you know, we had tacos last night. You know, I hear on the vigil of Tuesday day is on the vigil. <laughs> That's called Mexican Monday. Mexican Monday. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you know what I hear? Today's national holiday is spicy guacamole. Spicy guacamole. Yeah, so it's very convenient. It's on a Tuesday. How do you spice up guacamole? Maybe ours is blander. Add, add a little spice. You know, jalapeno. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's also National Pickle Day, so it's green green food day. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you a big fan of pickles? Oh, yeah, who isn't? Do you do well There's so many varieties. So sorry, I'm not I mean, a to huge take fan. a cucumber and to transform it into just pickle goodness. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I, I I like a good dill. Okay. I think is my favorite. When you go to the fair, do you do the fried pickles? Oh, gosh, no. No? No. Not your thing? No, it's tainted. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Okay. Oh, goodness, no, Amanda. (laughs) I'm new to the pickle world, I guess. I don't (laughs) don't know. Do you? Do you get fried pickles? Um, You know, I've only recently started liking pickles. So, Mm. yeah, it was never really my thing. Uh, Within the past couple years, I'm going to, you know, graduated to putting them on my burger and... Now I'll even eat them plain sometimes mm-hmm. if, I'm, if I'm really feeling it. In our lean college years, I had a uh, a roommate who would uh, drink the pickle juice. Oh. You know, after the pickles were gone, just you know, pick up the jar and drink the juice. Have you? That's ever done next that? level. I can't say I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what? I, the church... I can say I have not. <laughs> Let's land this plane back to the church, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what today is? What's that? It's the Feast of All Carmelite Saints. Hey, happy feast, everyone. Yeah, we've talked about some of the 
some of the big ones here recently, St. Therese, we went through Pope Francis's uh, letter mm-hmm. uh, or his exhortation on St. Uh, Therese, the little flower. Mm-hmm. And then most recently we talked about Elizabeth of the Trinity. So making good friends with the Carmelites. Yeah, yeah. So I think we have our special Tuesday guest. Yes, Marlon is ready. Dr. Marlon, good morning. Good morning, David Amanda. How are you? Both? Good morning. Fantastic. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Hey, congratulations on a great day Saturday uh, with the uh, Evangelization Leadership Summit. Truly appreciate it. It was definitely a, a blessing. We had a, a lot of uh, beautiful people, a lot of leaders show up. So we think our numbers were over a hundred from last year already. So, so we were just uh, grateful for the beautiful day for Ohio Dominican for hosting us for Bishop. Uh, Fernandez and giving us one of the keynotes to start us off. So it was definitely a blessed day. We received just a lot of um, uh, sound uh, responses, affirmations, and just uh, just a great overall day. What was the highlight for you? I think being able to meet everybody, mm. really to, to see what's right because you're pretty new, right? I mean, this I'm is pretty new, yeah. yeah. So uh, and the good thing is I knew probably at least twenty five percent of the people already which is good just because I've been traveling since uh, the, the first uh, day I stepped into the office back in April. So that was a blessing for me. And those that I knew well, and those that I'd only, I guess, visited or, or met once or twice. So it was good for me personally to connect with everybody and see where they're at. And uh, for me, it was, it was a pleasure to see them enjoy all the workshops and uh, see that, the, that there's an intention from my department to try to reach out to everybody and, and be of service to them. So it was a, just a great day. Good. Are we going to do it again next year? We are. We are. We're working on the theme already. We'll be. Uh, uh, we'll do a three-year cycle. So we'll have a theme that will carry us for the next three years. So we'll start the planning in January. Um, but we intend to have this, to make this a yearly uh, event. Fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for... Thank you for radio for being there, for being a beautiful sponsor, host, and just for, for your blessing as well. Yeah, you're welcome. So today we continue our series on the Beatitudes with number six, blessed mm-hmm. are the clean of heart, for they mm-hmm. will see God. Now, doctor, I've seen both pure of heart and clean of heart. Is there much of a difference between the two? No, it's more of the entomology of the language itself, but the, the the premise of both is really preparing your heart to be receptive to not only to the will of God, but also to accept His love. So if we look at the notion that the premise of the Beatitudes as the fulfillment of the commandments is to really walk into the kingdom of God for the salvation of souls, that our salvation is predicated on this, then there's nothing corrupt that, ha- that could be in our heart and our soul as we enter into heaven. And so this particular beatitude really sets the stage <clears throat> for our mind, our, our heart, our will, our intellect, to really be prepared to receive the love of God and to remove any impediment that may either bind us away from Him or distract us from really experiencing and knowing His omnipotent beauty, His everlasting beauty. And that really also is a reflection of how we are to live uh, a, a beautiful, holy uh, life with Him, both in our intentions uh, from a chase perspective, 
from a moral perspective, from a mental perspective, and how we are to engage others in, in a beautiful way. So this is a really beautiful beatitude because it allows us to, to look at the liberating grace of chastity, the grace of virtue, and how we're freed when we allow ourselves to be uh, really raptured by our Lord, and that we can take away any impediment or any uh, stain of sin that may try to harm us in any way or prevent us from seeing the beauty of others. So this is a very, very powerful beatitude. Dr. Marlin, I found it interesting that you said um, it actually encompasses the mind, heart, and the will. And mm-hmm. uh, maybe I'm making a stretch here, so help me out. Well, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> but it, I think I've heard an understanding of um, like this heart knowledge kind of in Hebrew is a little mm-hmm. more emphasized. Is kind of that what you're getting at here? This idea of pure of heart also has to do with our mind, our will, our knowledge? Oh, absolutely, because you can easily be corrupted uh, with false knowledge or false information or allow yourself to redefine something. I think we, we hear the term false narrative or creating your own story, and sometimes when, when you're studying the Word of God, when you're studying the teachings of the Church, or when you have this idea of something that supposedly the church is teaching, but it really isn't. It could take on an identity of its own. And so then you have this this sense of uh, either spiritual moral corruption, or when someone, for example, can justify, say, the killing of an unborn child, or justify the act of adultery or fornication, or justify the act of stealing, for example. Um, All those things can come into this uh, beatitude where you've allowed yourself to be corrupted of knowledge, or corrupted of information, and you allow the intellect to really define or redefine what is supposed to, supposedly a bad into a good. And so this is another element that we have to look at with respect to a blessed heart of the pure heart. Really, the, the, the intention, Amanda, is if we can't see God in the act, if we can't see His immense power, His immense grace and mercy in the acts that we perform, whether towards ourselves or one another, especially, for example, in the bonds of holy matrimony, or when someone is engaged or, say, for example, dating. If we take this whole element of matrimony engagement preparation for marriage, if the couple are not willing to see God face-to-face amongst themselves, if their intellect and will is not uh, directed towards seeing the evidential beauty that each person possesses, that, that, that the future husband and wife, the future spouses themselves do not see an evidence of beauty and that their hearts are are corrupted to see something else other than that, then we've got an issue, then we've got a problem. And that's also connected to knowledge. If you're unwilling to understand that, then uh, you could literally um, deconstruct this beatitude in a negative way. I like how you kind of emphasize this idea of we have to be careful about justifying our actions if Mm-hmm. especially if we don't see God in them. And actually, we just had a um, a show about Elizabeth of the Trinity, and in one of her letters, she really ex- exhorted who she was talking to with this idea of simplicity and the mm-hmm. necessity of being upfront with um, not only our good works, being honest with that, but really our faults as well. And uh, yeah, there that could be a really slippery slope, this justification of our actions and really mirroring that with, okay, can I actually see God in this action? 
Absolutely. So if you look at the premise of this particular beatitude and you look at its genesis, first and foremost, we bear the image of God. And so when we have a right sense of identity, what I mean by that is just when we really focus on the fact that I'm a child of God, right, then if I exercise that gift and that charism of being a child of God, then what comes out of our intellect, what comes out of our will, what we see, what we touch, what we hear, what we taste, really becomes part of that, uh, that divine character that we receive from our Lord. And we want to express it in a very beautiful, loving way. So in other words, our actions should, be, should lead someone towards the salvation of God. We, we should be salvific in our charism, in our mentality, in our behavior, because everything that we do is predicated on expressing the love of God. Now, if that's the case, that means in our relationships with Him, with our Lord, in our relationship with other people, in terms of friendships, or even more so in, in, the, in the beautiful um, covenantal relationship of, of marriage, where you look at the virtue of chastity, of purity, of holiness, of sanctity, as really being salvific towards your bride or towards your spouse, and that you want to lead your bride or your husband, you want to lead them to, to heaven. This all comes into this whole reference uh, that uh, chastity, virtue, blessed of pure heart, leads towards a beatific vision. Like, I want my friend, I want my wife, I want my husband to see God. And how I prepare myself intellectually, morally, psychologically, how I understand the world of the Father is key in understanding this beatific vision. Because if we don't do that, then our, our minds can easily be corrupted. That, that's, that's how sin pervades. It's waiting for us to really fall and to have a distorted mindset or view of God's love. So really we can say it gets to the heart of purity of intention. Absolutely. And it's hard to get there, Amanda, because uh, there's so many different things or, or vile instruments around us that the devil's intent is to make sure we don't see the beauty mm. in those instruments of faith. Uh, that's his intention. Uh, he, he received beauty, and he rejected beauty. And so now his intention is to make sure that we're corrupted in our understanding of beauty, and corrupted in our understanding of chastity, uh, of obedience, of holiness, of sanctity. And so he'll stop at nothing. And so this is where we have to be vigilant and why Christ emphasized sort of the pure in heart because, in, in essence, the sacrament of life is meant to strengthen this beatitude. It's meant to make us more aware of the need to be pure, to be chaste, to be holy, and to remove those impediments that may distract us from His love. Dr. Marlon Delatore is here in the cafe with us this morning, and we're talking about the sixth beatitude, Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. How do we cultivate this uh uh, beatitude in the family. Well, I mean, one thing that you mentioned that, mm-hmm. that struck me is beauty, um, mm-hmm. to make to make our homes um, full of beauty. Absolutely. Great question, Dave. I think first thing is first. I think every human being uh, must come to the realization, God willing, that they are not corrupt. They were not born out of corruption. They were born out of love. And so within the family household, it, 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 is, it is literally prevalent to see, and it's important to see, that the husband and the wife, the caregiver, the grandmother, the grandfather, for those who are responsible for children in the home, that they express a language that the, the child is a gift of God, that he and she are beautiful instruments of God's divine plan. There's no corruption 
that was made out of you, that you were made out of love, and that we are still, in, in essence, espouse that love on a daily basis in terms of uh, opening the door for someone, saying good morning, uh, preparing the bed in the morning, the practical things of life, or helping set up the table. All these things are manifestations of the intellect and the will, expressing uh, the virtue of charity uh, and being purified of serving those in need. This is how we exer- exercise our intellect and will. It's also affirming that uh, a young man or a young lady are true instruments of God's grace and that there is a purity of heart given to them and that we want them to seek God in the little things on a daily basis, whether in prayer, whether in fasting, uh, whether in abstinence, uh, doing corporal works of mercy, spiritual works of mercy, doing the examination of conscience for someone, fasting for someone. All these are, are basic elements of faith that are tied to the to the sixth beatitude because the the aim of all of them is we want the person to see God, to see him in the everyday, that, that it's not impossible to see the majesty of our Lord. So these things become key, but also, Dave, it's, it's the exercise of the creed that when a family expresses devotion to our Lord in the creed, when they make a profession of faith, when they act out the sacrament of life on earth, when they live their baptismal identity, going to Mass, being receptive to the sacraments, uh, going to Eucharistic adoration, understanding the value of the gifts to receive at confirmation, exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit. All these things come into play in terms of the Sixth Beatitude because the Creed becomes that uh, conduit of how we are to live our life. Can, can we look at, just reading through the, the previous Beatitudes, can, can we look at uh, clean this Beatitude, uh, Blessed Are the Clean of Heart, mm-hmm. as being almost a fruit of the other Beatitudes? So we can yes yeah absolutely because each as every commandment is predicated on the other and they're all and, and the commandments are, are based on the love of God and the love of neighbor the love of brother and sister in Christ because actually the, the commandments are a preface to the incarnation because this is what mm-hmm. our Lord prepares us to receive our His Son our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so the Beatitudes become a manifestation of that incarnate Word Christ Himself. And so they are all literally built upon that idea. They're built on the fact that we are to love our neighbor as Christ has loved us because of the Father's love through His Son that He will offer in sacrifice in Golgotha. And so all these are literal masterpieces that are intimately bound. Because in the end, if you look at the conclusion of this beautiful beatitude response, we see further in St. Matthew's Gospel in particular that Christ makes a proclamation, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. So now that you've received an understanding of the law and its action, its outward action of the attitudes, now this is how you are salt and light because of it. And so, yes, it, it, they're all literally predicated on each other, building to this particular beatitude and moving forward, obviously, to being peacemakers and so forth. Love it. Love it, Dr. Marlon Delatore. Talking about the Beatitudes. Uh, so, Doctor, we're back next Tuesday, God willing, right? Absolutely. I think so, we're going to talk about peacemakers. Peacemakers. Starting with the family? Amen. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Peace in the home. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being with thank us. How, how can our friends uh, find you? Well, uh, through the, the Diocese of Columbus website, through the Department of Evangelization, that's the department that I, I lead up there. Also, 
if they want to listen to uh, me on the radio or TV or what have you, they can look at uh, my blog website, knowingisdoing.org, where I have all my articles that are posted weekly, all my video links, etc. I'm also on EWT Radio every week with the Sunrise Morning Show. So you can look at through my website, knowingisdoing.org, or through the Diocese of Columbus. Fantastic. Thank you, Doctor. Appreciate it. Have a blessed day, both of you. You, you too. too. God bless you. Joining us now in the St. Gabriel Cafe, a good old friend, Mr. Brendan O'Rourke. Give it up. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. How, How are, are you? you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> Wonderful. Your first taste of the cafe. I know. It tastes really good. <laughs> tastes really good. The coffee's okay. Back to the pickle discussion. <laughs> sure. Yeah, please. What? So, so we were talking about pickles at, well, pickled things, because I guess in uh, Pittsburgh, they have a thing called Picklesburg or something like that. But why did why did pickled cucumbers get the name pickle? Why did, mm. Where you call everything else, you got pickled beets, pickled radishes, pickled jalapenos. Why did pickled cucumbers get, they're just pickles? The OG. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why don't that's, we say, that's actually a really good question. I don't, this is the stuff that keeps me up at night. <laughs> <laughs> that goes so far beyond the scope of the St. Gabriel mm-hmm. Cafe, though. Yeah. <laughs> something to speculate in our free time i guess i'm sure there's a history we can look up at some point did you did you ever find the answer no i guess i never looked yeah <laughs> seek yeah i will <laughs> i will find so brendan you are originally from fairfield county yep lancaster ohio i graduated fisher catholic and um then went down to athens for a year and then went up to Ohio Dominican and got my degree there. Okay. Theology. Yeah. So were you a part of the upper room movement? Yeah. 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 At Fisher. Yep. Tell, tell us about that because I see to this day, Amanda, the, the fruits of the upper room throughout mm. central Ohio, both in vocations and family life ministry. It was, it was pretty profound time in the life of, uh, yeah, give your, us your classmates, the high schoolers. Know. I don't know too much about it. Yeah, it was nobody's plan or anything. We had the Kairos retreats at Fisher Catholic, and we had one of those retreats. It was after I had graduated. And um, again, it was really a very sovereign outpouring of the Holy Spirit that nobody orchestrated or anything Um, in the early 2000s. I think it was maybe around, yeah, 05. And so I had gone back with some people to help lead the retreat and then there wasn't any youth ministry going on. So we just started having a talk and adoration at the high school every Sunday night because we figured there were three, there were three Catholic parishes in Lancaster at the time, but it was a very united community. So we would do that every Sunday night and because we thought, wow, something's happened here and we need to carry this on. And um yeah we've got father nick ventura you know was in those days uh kayla i can never trisha yeah trisha um joel Mm -hmm. do they still do their no they uh they aged out of the young adult show (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah because you know the schools are really the the 
social hub. So we figured let's just continue to do it at the school. And it's not a huge school, and we'd have 70, 80 kids there packed into this pretty small chapel. And it, we didn't know what we were doing. We would just show up and pray. And, and this mm-hmm. was just for an adoration night. Yeah. Okay. And um, we'd have a different priest come each time from one of the parishes. And uh, it, it, it truly was a God's favor his grace, his, his good pleasure to, to make it happen. It wasn't Mm -hmm. from a central committee or planning or anything. And I think it's a good lesson also, um, for how God wants to move in the church and in our lives as well. I think Andrew Maynard was there at that time too, right? Yep. Yeah. So from OU, you transferred to Ohio Dominican, Mm -hmm. uh, SPO. Yep, that's yeah, and that's why. I, I mean, I was sitting down. I was at OU freshman year, and um, I looked up at my bookshelf, and I just started amassing more and more kind of Catholic spirituality theology books. And I honestly, I was undecided down there. I was like, I, what, what am I doing here? I should just go study this. So that, yeah, I started getting to know the SPO guys. So then transferred to Ohio Dominican, but lived at Ohio state mm-hmm. in the SPO household. So that was year two of SPO. Wow. So is that the house uh, across from Holy name? Yeah. So what the, was it called? We called it Fort Zion. Fort Zion. Yeah. So it was a convent and then it was our household. So we had a pink chapel. Um, and then we, it took to like year 10 to finally paint it. There was something, honestly, it was beautiful and really, it wasn't like, it was a softer pink. Um, so now it's a convent again. A softer pink. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, so it's a convent again, which is yeah. nice. With the Salesians, I believe. I believe so, yeah. So um, was this also around the time of your reality TV debut? <laughs> Wait, what? Nah, well, I was just a, a side character. But yeah, that first year of Household was when uh, God or the Girl was filming and Dan Demite was one of the the uh, main characters the reality. so he was discerning you've never seen it I've never seen you it you can get it for i think like 35 cents the dvds on wow. ebay or amazon we have a copy i, I yeah. can loan you we watch it once a year or so do you <laughs> yeah the best yeah. clips are on youtube too um the the one where dan carries the cross across the field i think that whole entire episode exists in clips on youtube so yeah, it's fun to show to people, and I'll say, see if you can find me, because yeah, I'm about fifty role? pounds lighter and no beard. I we just lived together. Okay. So I I think I you were the roommate. Yeah, there were ten of us in the house. So, but they were they filmed like all day. They were always there, and it it's real, but it's on. A, it's not as it is. They would have us like re say conversations because they'd want to get it and whatnot, and then. They'd say, all right, now say this to Dan, and we'd say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, for our, I think our first time through, I didn't recognize you, but I heard the voice in the voice. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, that's Brendan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then it kind of took off I, the whole the whole career when it took off from there. I don't know. It's just <laughs> like working in, for the church or... Being a Hollywood star. <laughs> uh, let's say working in the church. 
Yeah, it was never. <laughs> it was never something I even consciously. Yeah. Was like I want to do it. Just. If well, you... let's talk about the community actually, because I think to this day we we see the fruits of that household mm-hmm. uh, being lived down mm-hmm. uh, in service of, of the church. Yeah, you know Dan. Demite, Aaron Richards were my housemates. Dan was on the other side. So it truly is a convent. So we each had a, a cell mm-hmm. with a sink and a a um a mirror in it. And um and then the actual bathroom was down the hallway. Uh so yeah, they're involved with Damascus, not just involved, they're mm-hmm. the founders of Damascus. Yeah. Was Father Gardner there? Yep, Father Tom Gardner, um, Andrew Keeby, um, Trying, I remember lived with so many guys there over the years, but yeah, you but know, you the, look, yeah, the intentionality though. Um, I mean, some of that came out in in God or the Girl. I mean, because it showed the the uh, meal time and, and pr- some prayer time yeah, together. It was, it was pretty. I look back, I'm like, how did I? How did I do that? We would get up. I mean, we're 19 year old guys. We would be up for breakfast at 6 a.m. And then we would pray the office and then have about half hour praise and worship four days a week. We had two or three meals a week. Um, it was what I needed though. It was a beautiful time. I, I really do look like look back and that was one of the happiest times of my life. It was just so rich, really challenging. Um, and taught me what it was like to, to live with people, you know? We need to be around people. And good good friendships, yeah. healthy friendships. Really good friendships. Yeah. So where, what happened after uh, ODU then? What, did, uh, what I, did you do? I went to seminary for two weeks and then left. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was needed. even shorter than that. No, two weeks. Two huh? weeks, two weeks. And people were like, "Is that... man, that must be a record. No, you don't even. There are people who have turned around on the road on the way to seminary or left in the first night and uh i felt i it was just the next practical step in my life and that's kind of been something i've always rallied around with discernment and the lord is Mm -hmm. what's the next practical step i'll just take that so did you use that as a time of just active discernment and then you just needed two weeks and you're like okay lord you're this isn't it yeah, it. I went and, you know, sometimes you you don't know something until you take the next step. Whether exactly. it's yeah, um, engaging in a seeking a new job or whatever. Sometimes you just have to go through the interview process, and it has to become a little more real in that way. And then you say, "Oh, I this isn't where the Lord's leading me." Or even for them to maybe even offer you the job, you know, mm-hmm. it gets more real. No, this doesn't sit with me. Um, so after I left seminary, I went back to work in one of my college jobs, which was at Raising Cane's, Chicken Fingers. Um, but then I was at St. Simon and Jude for two years. Then I was the cook for the Dominican Friars at St. Patrick's. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. That was really fun. So outside of the brothers there, I was spent the most time with them um, of anybody. So I would I'd be there pretty much all day. Five days a week. Um, and they hired you on your Raising Cane's experience? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so after t- 
two weeks of chicken fingers. <laughs> they said we need something more. But it was fun. It was I had thought about culinary school a lot, um, but never ended up pulling the trigger on it just because it is a not real it's not conducive necessarily to the life that I wanted to live. Um and then after that I went to Saint Catherine. So I've been there nine years, Saint Catherine. Okay. Okay, Father Dury brought you over? Yep. Yeah, and I had already been helping with youth ministry, and then when Dan left to go full-time with Damascus, kind of that year before that, I had a desire to take over the youth ministry, um, and God granted that desire. You're a wonderful musician also. When, when uh, When did that begin? I mean, as a teenager... Yeah, I started playing guitar when I was 13 because uh-huh. I wanted to learn Dave Matthews Band songs. And so I remember I would sit in front of the mirror with a tennis racket and play along, like dreaming, like, man, it'd be cool to play guitar one day. My brother plays. So there was always a guitar around. Um, but actually it wasn't until he kind of was at college. I went down to the library and got a, a CD-ROM, if anybody remembers those. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, learned guitar through the CD-ROM. My first two songs I learned were Uncle John's Band and Knocking on Heaven's Door because those were what I learned on the CD. And then um, just played all the way through. And yeah, when I had my real decisive conversion moment that I can say, all right, this is a moment when it, everything changed, which was just a few weeks after high school at a Steubenville conference. That's, again, God just kind of took the music and baptized it. And it was really the first time I ever heard kind of the more contemporary Protestant Christian music. Mm -hmm. You know, I grew up with mostly like the St. Louis Jesuit kind of folk gear stuff at my parish, which I didn't love. No offense to anybody. But (laughs) once I heard, (laughs) once I heard that, I was like, oh, I can start playing this. And yeah, that kind of led one thing to another. And and you led in, in, in the beginning of CYSC. Well, had CYSC, when did that actually start? Because I were you guys at, still in SPO when the first camps started? Yeah, I was in, yeah, camp started in, I think, 01. I was never a camper. And then I, because of my, my uh, being a roommate with Dan and Aaron, so I came in around seven or eight i mm-hmm. think and you led worship mm-hmm. for uh for the campers yeah me days. aaron and then kind of a rotating cast of folks mm-hmm. and you brought that then into the youth ministry at st Catharines. yeah yep. yeah yeah originally when father um actually the first thing i did at st Catherine was was music um and helping with youth ministry even before he hired me as the full-time youth minister so i've been doing that 5 p.m mass for nine years there mm. yeah how has youth ministry changed from from those because you and dan and aaron and probably others from from that group were all in, involved in different parishes at that point how's it changed since then oh man um i feel like it's in a, definitely in a transition phase right now and i'm not totally sure what 
that looks like. When I first got into it, it, it was still very much the kind of 80s, 90s Protestant model, youth, like large-scale youth group. Mm-hmm. But those seem to be going away more and more. Um, and I, I think the smaller discipleship is, I think, where maybe the Lord is leading in youth ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's changed as much as youth culture changed and ju- not just youth, but the culture. Yeah. And so every day something, something's different, yeah. but just the way you communicate with everybody has changed. You know, when I first started, well, the iPhone was in first one was in 07, I think. So, um, when I first got involved, you know, not every student had a cell phone. So the main way of communication was probably email or uh, with the parents or fax. Yeah. Fax machine. <laughs> Courier. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I guess maybe the biggest change is that real youth ministry needs to start in the family. And I think it's taken us a while to, to realize that. Hmm. And you've worked uh, to do that in in your role at St. Catharines, right? I mean, with uh, I don't want to say programs. What what's a better word? But um, you, I know St. Catharines has been very intentional um, on working with families on catechesis and discipleship. Yeah, there's an amazing um, group of mothers and fathers, and even single folks who are doing everything that they can to equip the holy ones for the work of ministry. Ephesians 4.11, where Jesus says that, well, not Jesus, Paul says that the Lord gave some as prophets, apostles, teachers, evangelists to equip the holy ones for the work of ministry. Who are the holy ones? It's the whole church. And so the, the job of the parish is to equip every parishioner for the work of ministry, not just have professional a professional class of ministers, which is uh, another form of clericalism, you know, mm. we're the priests, we're the youth ministers. Let's do the, we'll do the stuff for you. Come watch us do the stuff. Um, so a big shift at the parish is that everybody's doing the stuff and I more so support them in whatever they need. Um, cause they have access to way more people than, than I do their families, their friends, I'm just there to to help, you know, and support that, drive it forward a little bit. Brendan O'Rourke is our guest here in the cafe. One word, Brendan, that as we're listening to to your story, uh, word that comes to mind is docility. I mean, you've you've really um, been docile to where the Lord seems to be leading you through these different phases or different stages. Um, was it a when you, when did you transition out of youth ministry? So the plan was at, um, looking at school year 2019, 2020, that would be my final year of youth ministry. Mm-hmm. Something happened in 2020 though. I can't remember <laughs> the, the world stopped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so that just sped that up honestly. And, um, yeah. Well, what, what was leading to that? I mean, was, was the Lord telling you do something else or 
I was taking on more of the communications things at the parish and more music and just, I mean, I, I won't over spiritual. I just didn't want to do youth ministry anymore. You know, I, I don't mm-hmm. know. There wasn't like, oh Lord. Like, <laughs> I, I just didn't. Yeah. I knew it was, I kind of felt guilty doing it because I, I knew there are people more passionate about it. So I didn't want to just continue to do it because then the worldwide pandemic happened. And so for 70 some days, it was Father Dury and I live streaming mass. So, you know, overnight I had to learn how to do all that. And um, it was, I, I actually, for as tragic as that time was, um, I have really fond memories of that time as well. And I think, so. you know, we have to appreciate the time for what it was um because i'm i do remember we were like wow we can slow down and be with our family families and while we continue to pray obviously for those who are really suffering at this time sure so um we didn't have youth well we would do some zoom things you know at the beginning of the pandemic but then Everybody got Zoom fatigue pretty quickly, I think. And I did an online alpha course with some adults as well during the pandemic. And I was actually very, very fruitful. Um, and then we brought Damascus in for to run the youth ministry for a couple of years, kind of as a bridge. St. Catharines also went through a, a major building campaign mm-hmm. around that time was it before the pandemic when did the the new adoration chapel yeah. open it was july then july 29th 2020 was okay. when the chapel opened and for uh, for our friends that haven't been there let's talk about that some because it is breathtaking yeah it really is i took brother mike hurley he one of the new capuchin franciscans in the other couple weeks ago and yeah he just was like, what, what is this? It, um, and we have to give so much credit to father Dury and the architect Scott Harper and for all the people who gave their time and money to build it. It's so beautiful. And I have to remind myself, you know, we can get familiar with things that we see every day. And then I have to remind myself, the true beauty is who is there in there in the chapel is Jesus, but, um, it's really beautiful. There's people coming in all day. It's open 6am to midnight, six days a week, 6am to 4pm on Saturday. And I, when you look at it, there's a cornerstone that says 2020 AD 2020. And that always reminds me that 2020 was still the year of the Lord. You know, I think people can say like, ah, that was filled with so much evil or whatever your perspective is on everything. But Jesus was still Lord of 2020. You know, he's still Lord of 2023, no matter what happened a couple weeks ago or this week or is happening in your life. Jesus is still Lord and he sees things and he loves you. He loves all of us. Adoration's been a big part of your journey. 
Yeah, my parish growing up at St. Bernadette in Lancaster had perpetual adoration. And then, um, so we would start, once we were able to drive and when we were in college and we'd be home for breaks, we would go there and all my friends and we would show up, you know, because at that age we'd stay up super late and we would go over to the chapel at like midnight or 2 a.m. and we'd knock on the door and whatever amazing holy soul was in there usually somebody a little bit older they'd answer and be confused (laughs) i'd say we want to pray and they'd say and it just obviously brought them so much joy um but it was a it's a tiny 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 little chapel um yeah and i i now that we have the chapel there for three years i can't imagine life without access to adoration and again not reminding myself not to take it for granted and not to take any contact we have with god it's never cash you know it we can't ever take that for granted and it's never um just a casual thing Mm -hmm. it's uh always profound you know i'm assuming that's something that you've had to grow in though would you say what's that um just your love for adoration i mean your love for prayer just spending time in front of the blessed sacrament or would you say special grace to just start doing holy hours oh sure yeah i mean i get bored and don't want to be there sometimes again i'd be lying if i said (laughs) um but uh father jock philippe's book time for god is just so great and there's a gem that i always come back to in that where he says if we can do nothing but place ourselves before God um, and just, what does he say? Um, I can't remember, so I won't say it. But simply, we have to know, and with our faith, that simply being with God is enough. And that takes an act of faith as well. You know, We can never judge our prayer either based on any of our, whether our affections are, were really huge or anything or our emotions were really huge. Because our emotions and our affections lie to us a lot. And they can just be sometimes dependent. We had a bad night of prayer. And I've got to remind myself. Say I'm like feeling. I'm you know. Feeling just morose one day. Or a little melancholic. Or even frustrated. I can't posit that emotion onto God. Which I found I was doing a lot. Um, How I'm feeling in the moment. Is not at all how he's feeling about me. So that Ignatian mm. principle of beginning my meditation with for the length of an hour, father, think of how God looks on you with love, you know, and, um, before anything else, you know? Well, and isn't that part of the process of like becoming friends with him too, right? In, in the same way that like I can be friends with, with any of, uh, you guys, Dave, Amanda, Brendan, um, not pushing my, assumptions of of what I think you're feeling about me onto you but actually like that spending time with you even even the time where we're not having a conversation to just being in the same room as you become friends with a person is so critically important and and I find that like over the years as you get to know a friend uh, I was just having this conversation with my wife the other day um over the years, getting to know a person as a friend, you start to get to know their preferences, even if it's like, you know, you don't 
ask them, hey, what is your preference in this way? You start to get this sense of like, not necessarily always answering for them, but you could almost assume their answer because you get to know them first, not because you're pushing something on them. And I find that as you become friends with the Lord and you get to know who he is and what he's like, even just by like sitting in the adoration chapel, you can start to get that almost, uh, Dr. Marlin calls it that divine sense of of just recognizing what the Lord is uh, impressing upon you or, or impressing in the room um, to then move from there. Brendan O'Rourke is our guest here in the St. Gabriel Cafe. Are you still leading uh, Wednesday nights at St. Catharines? Uh, is Thursday, it Thursday nights. Yep. Thursday nights. Yeah, every, every... That's been going on for some time now. Yeah, it has. And it has evolved over the years. It started, we call it a door. Yeah. Well, tell yeah, tell our friends what a Thursday night looks like at St. Catharines because it's open to everybody. Yeah, it's every Thursday, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. It's the one hour of the week where the blessed sacrament is brought from the chapel into the main church and there's confessions heard from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. and I lead some songs of worship and sometimes we'll pray the rosary sometimes there'll be a little homily five minutes or something but I originally started on Sunday nights once a month and then we moved it to Thursdays once a month and then uh, there was one week you know when you're planning stuff you can say, oh, it's first Thursday, third Thursday, yada, yada. You know, I said, I'm like, let's just do it every week. Like, and it's become such a um, kind of a, a pillar for people's lives during the week. Whether they're, the kids will come off the, the fields and parents will stop in and people are just coming in through the whole hour and uh it's it's just a reliable thing that they can be there for and it's not a big production we that's don't make just that's just what i was going to say i mean it's it's not produced yeah we don't make a big show out of it yeah. we're there for jesus to to love him and yeah um confessions are typically yeah, available yeah confessions to priests um and it's beautiful it's it's so intergenerational. It's really young kids just running around. And I like to include a little silence, but sometimes like there's so much noise, which is so beautiful. Like we just encourage that so much just from the kids that I'll, I'll still have to provide a little white noise. And um, just the youth there at the parish, it's amazing. And that's one thing at the chapel is I still consider myself a youth kind of young i just had a birthday i won't say how old no i'm 38 and so <laughs> but i'll um i'll be at the chapel and i'm the oldest one there which i think is so amazing there'll be high school students stopping in before school and young adults and there's ohio state kids coming down spo focused kids stopping in and um it's it's just amazing yeah people people want jesus so we just try to make them available. I don't know. <laughs> well, it it is that easy. You've created a beautiful space for our Lord. And that in itself is attractive. But as attractive as as it is, as you said earlier, it's it's because Jesus is there. Yeah. And that 
he is the reason that kids are showing up before school <laughs> or coming in, you know, late at night or coming on a Thursday night. It's, it's because he's present. Yeah. It's amazing, you know, with like running a program or even, um, whatever it is, you can quantify it. How many registrations did we get? What was, you can see a little bit more visible. You get the metrics a little bit better, but with adoration, you know, when I even stop in for 10 minutes, I just know that the, the heart work that's happening in me, you know, every time I go in there, whatever I'm bringing in with Jesus. And then I'm, I'm just seeing all these people, you know, I'll go in. There's one lady at the parish. She does one, 1 PM to 2 PM every day. She's there faithful comes in, sits for silence, prays her praise the office, praise the rosary. And then she just sits there and she's there every day. And there's another guy who's not even on the schedule and he's there every day from like noon to two. And he's, I don't, and, and then people are flat on their faces and people are, you can see kind of the range of emotions, you know, and just wondering, wow, man, what these people are doing. They're living life with Jesus and they're bringing him into their their crosses their joys their hopes their fears and all these things that we'll never know about really and then hopefully on the other side in heaven we'll we'll see you know what are the hours for the chapel sunday to friday 6 a.m to midnight mm -hmm. and then saturday 6 a.m to 4 p.m and it's it's just open we don't we have adorers mm -hmm. um adorers not adore doors but that's to say the doors are unlocked and anybody can come in to be with jesus and that was really one of our hopes is that we didn't want it to be this thing only for those who are signed up and there's a great story behind that as originally we were going to retrofit one of the rooms in our undercroft of our church and then somebody at the parish said well if this is truly Jesus we got to get him out of the basement is he really that important mm. and then next thing you know this huge beautiful chapel gets built and it added probably a uh, several figures of money onto it but also encouraged people to give more you want to give to something beautiful and worthwhile you know and um we always wanted it to to be to function more as a public chapel where people mm -hmm. can stop in anytime accessible yeah have you experienced non-catholics coming over I, I know in during that time of 2020 uh we we had friends that aren't catholic that because saint paul's was unlocked everything else was shut down and and so many of the other denominations churches were locked but our friends found out that saint paul's was open and it was a place, a holy place set apart that they could come and pray. And it, and it was so important um, to so many people at that time to know that that, that place was available. Yeah. Because you have a diverse area around St. Catharines. Yeah. In one sense we do, in one sense we don't. You know, the real immediate area is not super diverse, but as you begin to draw mm -hmm. circles around, yeah, we get, um, I know a lot of, non-catholics who are exploring the church and so they come in there and they visit ad adoration they visit with our lord and there's a family i met 
the other day who um it was their first time at mass and um so i was kind of curious to follow up with them to see how their their time was and um i believe they come from a more liturgical tradition so i think Mm -hmm. it was more familiar to them but yeah we'll take non-catholics in there and you can just their thing is you can sense they always say peace you know they get a sense of peace in there Brendan O'Rourke here with us in the cafe. In the final uh, four minutes, you do communications now mm-hmm. uh, for St. Catherine's. All of the communications of the parish, or are we talking social media? Pretty much anything that's external, you know, mm-hmm. um, print and digital, signage, everything. Mm-hmm. That way it comes from a unified voice. Um Typically, you know, the bulletin was done by one person. The website was done by one person. The social media was done by one person. Mm -hmm. The signage was done by one person. The emails were done by another one. So what what can we all do better at in in terms of evangelization online? I mean, some of these platforms can be pretty mucky. Uh, how, 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 How should we be approaching it? Conversations. Yeah, um, I think the real uh, sometimes difficulty is at a Catholic parish is keeping the main thing the main thing Hmm. because there are so many things going on. Um, All good things, for sure. All good things. Sometimes it's difficult to keep the main thing the main thing, which is Jesus. Um. I believe that less is more. And when you make everything important, nothing is important. And so sometimes you have to uh, make tough decisions and you can't communicate everything um, because then it just becomes white noise. And ultimately the church is here to evangelize so that people know they're sons and daughters of God adopted by the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit's been poured out into our lives, not to just make us good people, but to realize that we're dead without Jesus and to give us new life and a new way of existence and ultimately to have that existence forever in heaven. And let that be enough yeah. because it's everything, Yeah, right? Totally. Amen, Brendan. Thanks for being with us this morning. My pleasure. We'll see you soon. Tomorrow morning at 8, we'll be back. We're going to chat about talking to God in prayer. So, Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. See you tomorrow morning. <laughs>